Cyclocross Friends. And thanks for tuning in to episode 237 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we briefly, I mean briefly, stop in Euro Corner to talk about the racing happening in Belgium. And then we spend the bulk of our time talking about Rochester Cyclocross, first race of the USCX Series, first race that is being broadcast on GCN and also Eurosport and, you know, a little bit of a shaky start and we break all of that down. Plus we break all the racing down as well. Just amazing weekend of cyclocross just to start this run. That's going to take us gosh, pretty much through the end of the year. Uh, if you have not subscribed to the CX Hairs Bulletin yet, we'd love to have you do that. It's where you're going to get all of your cyclocross news from North America. I, I, I am going to go out on a limb and say you will not get any more coverage from any other publication than you're going to get from the CX Airs Bulletin. Go to cxairs.substack.com. Sign up. You can just uh, you know put your email address in there to start. And then if what you, you like what you're seeing from the free uh, emails you get, then you can sign up and subscribe and get all of the content. Okay. Also head over to Wide Angle Podium and sign up for all the podcasts. Great stuff on the network. WideAnglePodium.com All right. We got Michael and Zach. We're talking about Rochester and we're doing that right now. We are back in the media pit to talk about the first weekend of the USCX series, which happened in Rochester, New York. Uh, we also have a quick Euro corner, which we will get to. But before any of that, Michael, how's it going? Bill, I just flew in from Winston-Salem, and uh, boy, are my arms tired. I think I've tried that one before, but I just had to go... I don't have a good pun this 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 week because Zach has already or the CX Harris Bulletin has already like unleashed the best pun or plan words for this weekend's races. But I did want to say that I'm drinking a beer called Ginger's Revenge. And I think it's apropos because of the results in Rochester and Stephen Hyde's maybe backness. So that's a long way of saying I'm doing great, Bill. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so Zach, I have a pun. Can you ask it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, hey, no, wait. Yeah, uh, Zach, how's it going? I just got to say, uh, this thing goes to Blevins. Yes, <laughs> Charm City does, baby. Boy, we're gonna have some. Uh, that's a that's just, that's just you know everybody just make your way through this one and then just wait until next week. It's going to be sloppy too. You, you're you're going to be coming in for some slop, Zach. Excellent. Muddy muddy charm city is is something to something to behold. But but we we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. Let's uh let's start with uh bread and, and well, how how was I supposed to pronounce it, Michael? Bradena. Bradena. Zach. All right, so I guess I'm doing Euro Corner. Is is that what we agreed? All right, so one, got Lawrence Swack, right? Lawrence Swack, 
we're big fans of him here on the media pit, but he was kind of like kind of in the hot seat, said that he wasn't going to bother him, trifle himself with coming to the U.S. He doesn't like the travel. He doesn't need the points. You know, like, oh, man, like Lawrence Sweck, like, are we really that's not a very elite move. But then like two days later, we find out that uh, he's a, he's a new dad. Uh, so he gave uh, birth to, I believe it was a daughter. And so, you know, you're like, oh, I have a little oh. bit of empathy. You don't want to be away. Uh, you know, so I admittedly, I didn't watch the men's race, but Ailey takes another win. Uh, I believe that's three in a row for him. But Lauren's finished only three seconds back. So I assume it was a close battle. So I'm torn. Like, how are you guys feeling about Lawrence? And like, are you, are, is this, this just feels like the typical thing with him where it's this is roller coaster of emotions. I feel like Lawrence is playing right into our hands. He knows how much the media pit loves to wring our hands and sit there and, and, and prognosticate about what he's going to do and what he does. So I think it's, I'm, I'm not totally convinced he's not coming. Like, I think he might be convinced by the sauce boss that he needs to make the trip. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I don't know if that's true because the sauce boss is like just on cloud nine right now. He, he's, he's just talking about how well the season's going. And I think he's going to, Probably, if he has any sway, propose that uh, Worlds and Paris Roubaix be in cyclocross season every year. <laughs> Fair. So that's the that's so, the men's race coverage. Uh, but I actually almost, I almost wait. Oh, hang yeah, on, okay. hang on, Zach. Sorry, just to stay on topic with the men and and Sweek, um, I tweeted out last week that you know the world cups moving to 16 watered down the american world cups and then you know the fact that we got another one maybe the ratio is the same about but about the amount of importance the points you score in the u.s and can you skip can you skip the u.s and still win the world cup overall that was a question actually that was asked um by i think a bulletin subscriber josh and i actually went and looked and to see like if in order to win the world cup overall can you skip coming to the States. And the only time that actually has happened that the winner didn't come was in, let's see, in, uh, sorry, 2019, 2020 worst did not come to the States and she still won. But every other winner has actually come to the States, even if that was just one stop in Vegas. So I think that it's a good, you got it. You got to come to the States. If you want to win the overall, I think that's why. But how many you how many seeing... events were there when you were coming to the states? It was much less. I mean, it could have been just like eight races, right? Yeah, it was eight. It was nine. It was seven. Um, now it's sixteen, but there's three races here. Yeah. So that I think that I did. I didn't write it down, but I think it is three is a little bit three of sixteen is a little bit less than one of nine. Um, so right, but I just think that you get those points early on, Ellie, you get those big wins, you get, and then other guys are starting with zero. You have enough that you can kind of coast a bit. So that's, that's my theory. Um, I don't know. We haven't seen, like, there's no start list. Who won the the cups? No, they haven't even made selections yet. Right. So it's like, you know, brand is coming. We know that, um, world champion, Celine, you know, Alvarado, is she coming? It would be great to see her racing in the States. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we still have a, I think we're still a little time. I mean, it's got to be next week, right, that they figure it out. But it's it's kind of funny because even, you know, we'll talk about Rochester, but even, 
even with uh with Vinny, he you know people are like, oh, are you sticking around for the for the World Cups? And he's like, well, I don't know because I don't know if I'm going to be on the team. You think that if he's like already here, that would factor in. That would be but like he's done this before though. So he he has family here. He's done this before. He comes out races these races. I mean, it's well worth his time. One, if he can just you know hang out with his family, and two, just scoop up all the available points, especially this year where it looks like he's not going to have any other competition from sauces or whomever else. Then yeah, it's a it's a win win for him. And then he just goes back home. I did see I did see uh, Blanca Vash is coming. So she said that she's going to be racing in the U.S., which is really cool. Women's race. I actually almost wrote, wrote about the women's race. Uh, I it was a it was a banger. Uh, so Femben Ampel started out super hot, which she said that she later regretted, but she finished six. But you know it was kind of exciting because it was worst first race and prime time was there. And our girl Yara, I think that she has been listening to the media pit. Uh, she was riding the high of that win uh, at uh, the Slag Heap. Slag Heap. And, oh, man, she did primetime dirty. Wow, did she do her dirty. Uh, was going. She made this aggressive pass, and it wasn't like a high-speed pass or anything, but it was in this, like, swoopy downhill. She kind of, like, took the inside primetime had to dismount and primetime you're like okay you know in the past she's just rolled back from that no problem Uh, she didn't even come close and i have to say just watching the the women i think a challenge you know for the north americans coming over is that it was so fierce uh two three laps into the race that they're just still attacking each other like just over and over and over again. Um, but, you know, Yara Castline, she's in the mix. Even late in the race, she's making moves and getting to the front. Um, and I think we're seeing a new race tactic from Denise Betsema. She's kind of letting these younger youngsters go out. She's saving herself. And this is two out of her three races where she's made a last lap move and just totally dusted the competition. And so, you know, I don't know if we're going to see as much of the just Hail Mary from the gun from her as much but it seems like you know she's not making those mistakes and racing better late into the races and it was actually you know a very good tactical win uh by her so kind of very interesting i mean love to see ara mixing it up worst was okay she finished fourth uh you know maybe not like the big grand entrance that we expected from primetime and worst but the big takeaway for me is that it is just the pace was so high like it's just it's even higher than it was last year when we said it was higher than it was the year before. It just keeps building. And I think with this influx of these youngsters, we're just going to see fierce racing for years to come in the elite women's field. And also we had a all top 10 Dutch riders. This is crazy. They did it. They did it, Zach. I, I know. I mean, hurt a little bit because Anna Kay was uh, out. You know, we wish her a speedy recovery. And I think, uh, you know, Blanca Vosh isn't racing. We expect to see her in the top 10. But yes, it happened much quicker than I expected. Yeah, yeah where was Blanca Vosh? Wasn't she racing like Road Worlds? She was getting fourth. Yeah, okay. In the Road yeah. Worlds. <laughs> she, she, she just messes around and does everything. Name a sport, she'll go do it. What did Blanca Vosh out here messing around. So what did you think about... Uh, Laura Verdonshot's decision to go race the Toy Toy Cup. Did she finish sixth? No. Fifth. <laughs> so fifth. Did she win? Okay. Fifth. I, she got one better. You know, I think that Belgian, it'll be interesting when Sana Watch 
you know, fires up again, but it really seems like the Belgian women are in like an even worse place than they were last year when they were naturalizing random riders. Uh, they just, I mean, they seem like they're in a really bad place. And they, again, they picked the wrong rider. I think they need to find a way to start stealing some of these Dutch women. Like, Hey, are you like number nine? Are you number nine on the depth? Are you not even going to make the world's team on the, the Dutch depth chart? Like, come on over. You could be Belgian, right? Like Fritz. Uh, let's move on. We've got so much to talk about about Rochester cyclocross. <laughs> I, where do we start? Uh, I mean, do we do we do what everyone came here for and talk about the live stream? Yeah, yeah let's start there. Because look, here I'll start this way. Bill, you were on site. Zach, you were you were also watching with me. But I was I was in Winston Salem at the last USA Crits race, um, but. Very stoked that I could actually tune in and catch in the, up the cross race at my Airbnb while, you know, the crits are at night, so there was time to watch the race, and I'm excited. And I even somehow tricked GCN to let me watch it on my laptop. Um, I, don't, I didn't cancel it, but it was somehow, I don't know how. I got made it work. I was excited. I'm just like, here we go. This is it. You know, we've all been waiting for this moment. Like, the news has come out that the C1s are going to be on Eurosport. So, like, all the Europeans are going to be watching and getting an American cross. And we have this series kicking off that's, you know, everybody's been talking about it. And, like, everything is building to this moment. And it just kind of had, it just, it flopped in the beginning there. It just, it was not good. And I'm, sure the people who were running the live stream were working as hard as they could to fix issues and were freaking out and were not happy. I know that was not intentional, but whoo, it took the wind out of my sails. Um, Zach, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, the technical difficulties were, you know what, I'm even willing to, to look past that, like the tef- technical difficulties. To be really honest, I mean, I think, you know, credit to to Jens Decker, he, he stayed up to watch the women's race. And even after the women's race, he's like, look, I'm going to bed. Like, I can't, I can't do this. The only reason I kept watching is because I knew I had to write race reports. But it was day one. So I'll say this, day one was unwatchable. Like, it was... It was like they paid to have cameras to like if you had family to be like, oh, hey, I saw you on a live stream, Uh, you know, and I think so we talked to Bill and I think Bill said we're going to we're we're looking we're taking the long view, though. Uh, And I think, you know, I made this point. The biggest problem, I think, was with the production, like producing a cyclocross broadcast takes work. And I gave this analogy. uh, I announce races and I I have a general I'll do podiums when I do a crit because crits are just groups of people riding around over and over. I actually refuse to do podiums announcing it at cyclocross races because when you lose the front of the race for even a lap, it takes two more laps for you to figure out what's going on in the race. And I think kind of they just lost. What do you mean? Sorry. Like if there's a cyclocross race going on and I turn my attention away to do podiums for 10 minutes and I come back to try to announce what's going on, like I don't know. Oh, podium. And especially for a when there's race. like two different races on, just forget about Like I become worthless at my job. Like I just become superfluous and I should just go home. Um, you know, and I think with the production, that's the same story. And it just seems like they lost it and it just kind of spiraled. They were switching to just random cameras and stuff. Uh, Saturday was disappointing. Like, and especially with the hype that was built up, the faith that riders and even I, I did, I was like, I felt bad because I was like, hey, let's subscribe to this. So show them that it's, that there's value in it. Uh, and I, 
think against that backdrop. Like if it just was like, hey, it's a live stream and it's pretty cool that a race paid for it. That's one thing. But this, there was a lot of infrastructure behind this and it was hyped up. And I think against that backdrop, like I can't even give it a passing grade. Like it was an F on Saturday. Oof. I, I think there's a lot. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I cannot disagree with your viewing experience. I, I will say a, a couple things were working against the debut of of the live stream. First off, and I, I can't, I'm not a, an authority on this, but I'm, I think that the decision to have the races on Eurosport was an 11th hour decision that is amazing. It's so great. It's so cool. But I think that put a lot of extra pressure on the production team who thought they may have a little smaller audience and just be able to get a, a bit of a pass on this first race. And the the second thing that was really working against them is that I've covered pretty much every race in the country and especially the four events that are part of the USCX. Rochester is hard. It is so hard. It's split up. It's sectored. There's a lot of trees. There's a section called the jungle. And it's just, you're, you have to be a well-oiled machine to pull off Rochester. Plus, they were depending on a drone for a third of their coverage, if not more. And Saturday, that drone was inoperable. And, you know, you can talk about the, the, the directorial decisions on Sunday, Zach. But, yeah, I think that they had it up there, and it, it made it much better. I think from Saturday to Sunday, the quality went up, but it was still kind of jumpy in, in the switches the switches that were made. But that's – I guess what I would say is if I was scheduling – if I was making the UCI-US schedule to – have the best experience and the best to sort of start off on a good note for the series. Uh, my first choice would have been charm city for, for race number one. And maybe we'll see, see that jump in quality this coming weekend. However, you know, we are also going to have weather. So I think that's going to be something else that, that they're going to deal with or, or even, even Cincy is a pretty wide open, uh, venue as well that I think will be a little easier for them to cover or even jingle where they don't have to worry about it because all the world cup infrastructure is already there that they can piggyback on. And I, I guess the other point I wanted to make, this, this comes up where people are talking about how did GCN get this wrong when, and I don't even know if I'd go that far. I, honest, as I, as Zach said, I, I do want to sort of give them a little bit of of room here. Um, yes, completely biased in this. They hired me to do some stuff for them. So I, I understand that. So you guys have a more unbiased view in this. I, I'm not saying it was it was it was what I want to watch, but I I just want to give them benefit of the doubt. But the other thing about GCN in general is that they're like, well, it doesn't look like the other GCN cyclocross races that we see. And that's absolutely right. But GCN is not producing those races. They are buying a feed for those races that are produced usually by Sporza, 
which, as we all know, are the best in the world at producing cyclocross races and directing them and making the switches and doing everything else, as opposed to a contractor that GCN hired for the U.S. to, to start from scratch and try to do this. So that's that's the huge difference, that you are being compared to, you know, a... a, a a Super Bowl winning team when you are really just starting out in the minor leagues. So it's a tough, it's a tough beat to, to compare that. That doesn't make up for the mistakes that were made in coverage and everything else. But I think it's, it's a little unfair at this stage to, to compare both. And hopefully as the years go by, if this you know exists and succeeds that, that, that gap will be closed at least some. Well, I think part of the pro to me, the problem is that, you know, I think we're trying to take a bigger picture of this is that we're hoping that people who have a GCN login, i.e. fans of cycling beyond cyclocross are like, hey, I need a race to watch on the trainer or whatever. And the problem with, you know, so it needs to be, unfortunately, it needs to be good fast. And I just have to say that to me, and maybe other people, you know, I think a lot of our readers on the bulletin were pretty upset. <laughs> and but then you saw other people who were like, this is the greatest thing ever. Uh, but I don't see myself like I couldn't follow the race. And to me, that's like your your first job is to, to show me the race. And that's my big concern. So I'll I'll go ahead to Sunday. Sunday was pretty good. Like, They produced it properly. I mean, especially in the men's race, we had a great race, you know, uh, in the men's race. They were making the transitions correctly. We were seeing things happen. Like we saw Stephen Hyde drop Kerry Werner coming out of double trouble. Like I was like, this is amazing. They killed it. And then they completely blew the finish. Uh, And I, I, I know that there's a lot of apologists and like we can say that they but like the thing that killed me is like they cut the drone footage was incredible by the way the drone footage was so dope i mean i thought that was really neat i thought they yes michael i well the drone to me is like so i thought the drone footage was good but it, it was like in some areas it was like beautiful shots but it like is it telling the story the narrative of the race and because sometimes it was so wide you were missing that narrative and the drone is like one of the most like finick you're transmitting the the feed like it's the finickiest piece of equipment in your chain and like relying on that to cover half the race course seems like a like where's the backup where's the gopro or they they have you know cameras you can just like mount on things like at the stairs or the gopro as bill pointed out because i don't know the course you guys do that final turn before the finish where are those like steady cams that are maybe not even manned by a person that you can switch to in emergency. And I understand everything costs money. They're, you know, I get it. Money fixes a lot of shit. Um, but like some of the contingency plans, like I hope that they see that and they're learning and they're going to move forward with better ones. And like you said, Bill, I've seen your one man coverage of Charm City so I know that Charm, the Charm City broadcast is going to be amazing. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, some of those little small things are like, where's the backup plan? Yeah, for sure. And it's finding yep. those, those redundant where you can put a camera where you can see far away. Like I just, 
you know, I think there were some where they were going for like the pretty pictures and that's cool. But the key with like limited resources is to, we ju- I just want to see the bike race. And so, and maybe this isn't even fair, but like they switched to the drone and we've got Carrie's blown. We've got Hyde and Vinny and we know what's going on. I know what's going on. And it's like the drone operator was like someone who's never been to a bike race who like convinced himself that themselves that Carrie was going to catch up. They zoom out. So they, to your point, they zoom out and go back. And so then they're going away and then they're like, oh, shoot. They rush the drone and there's kind of like this wall of trees. And, you know, the edge of the course is kind of at the far side of the wall. They go into this pocket of trees where you can't see where the decisive. So like they did it. I was just going to so ready to be like, this is amazing. I super enjoyed this. This is what I wanted. And then it's just like, because it's cyclocross and because we can't have nice things, they blew the finish. They didn't even switch to the finish line camera. They f- switched, like, they switched late. Like, Vinny is posting up as we see him. It was just like, I don't know. It just, it was a huge improvement, though. So if that's my critique, that you blew the finish of a close race, like, I actually think they did a pretty good job on Sunday. And if they can kind of replicate that success, I think they're on to something of making a product that people can actually watch and that you can show to someone and be like, Hey, why don't you get invested in this cyclocross race? Like this is a really cool sport we have. Why don't you check it out? Yeah. And I, um, I, I think those are all, all valid points. Um, we got, we got video of the finish. Maybe, maybe someday they'll be out (laughs) on the, on the, on the bulletin. If I ever, ever get a chance to edit it. (laughs) Yeah. I want also, I just want to say, cause like, I understand that the people, no one, like the people who are behind the live stream are like working their asses off. Like I get it. Like I, like I know that like, they're not like, Oh yeah, that's good. We missed the finish. Yeah, that that's fine. Whatever. Like I understand like they also are like, you know, pissed off themselves and, and, and are going to make sure that doesn't happen next week. Like I, I want to say that, like I, I was worked in production many years like i i get it like that that was a they're they're bummed about that and they, they want to make it better. well i will say there is so there is precedence in in u.s cyclocross i was thinking about this uh hartford in 2017 there was that off camber right before the finish where the camera's watch and hide watch and hide and just as hide is crashing and breaking his bike it cuts away like you see Hyde's who, wheel. who who had who had the exclusive video of that happening was that Spencer? Spencer, wide angle podium, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was that was kind of like that was a pretty pretty bad pretty bad botching. I mean, Hartford was just a mess. There's the U23 race where Max's chain drops eight corners before the finish, and like they're like scrambling because their entire back half of the course cut out because someone snowblowed the uh, coax cables. And that was that was super fun. What was it the was it the Bears or the Packers that had the snowplow game in the 70s? I feel like that would be the Packers, right? I think it was the, it might have been Soldier Field. It was the Bears. Like they were kicking a field goal and all of a sudden, like this uh, snow plow came out and just like cleared a little path for the field goal click kicker. Just oh. like, I mean, yeah, just like, you know, th- like the facilities guy just sent him out. He's just like, go, <laughs> you know, for the home team. Um, so then, yeah, that, that was, 
Then there was 2018. This was the bad version of that. Okay. Yeah, we had the fog bowl too. Uh, 2018 <laughs> uh, at the uh, World Cup Waterloo. Like, I don't know why they didn't put a camera on top of Trek Factory Hill, but it was the Ellen Noble race, and her and Voss went down there, and they didn't have a camera on it. And literally, the only way we could tell is whoever was going to come out of Trek Factory Hill first. So there is precedent. Don't worry. There's precedent for finishes being blown uh, in cyclocross that I can certainly remember in the last five or six years. Yeah, well, I, I was, I, I'm not uh, <laughs> going to your world, Michael, but I was all all um, prepared for it after watching a season of USA Crits where I don't think I saw one finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, Look, yeah, a lot of precedent there. Um, as someone who's been on the ground, I've missed a lot of the races, but yeah, you know, it is it is a shame because the like the crits are awesome. The cross racing looked what I saw looked awesome. I'm sure if you were there, like you, there was some intense battles. Like, so we, there are some really good things that are coming out of the states and in, in, in terms of racing, and it's like we just yeah we keep kind of fumbling sometimes at the goal line like just delivering that perfect product all right so let's uh shall we trans let's let's do the racing uh we'll just go in order i think as we are want to do so we had saturday c1 i mean i i think claire hansinger put it perfectly bill i was watching the the intermittent parts of the first lap of the elite women's race and you could have told me it was 2019 Put an orange kit on Claire Hansinger in uh, 2019, all over again. Even from this, I was I was looking back on that, and even from the start, she was farther back in 2019 than she was this year. But she still was like fifth, I think, coming off the off the start into the first couple turns, and just she made herself she made her way to the front faster. But uh, I, I I don't. I don't know what you do with with Magley Rochette, uh, especially in these early season U.S. North American races. It was funny because you know you you had that uh, the the quote from her about doing her homework. That was that was not impromptu. That was not out of the blue. I have video of uh, David, her partner and and coach, on the start line to the camera saying the exact same thing before the race starts. He just turns to me and goes, we're going to see who did their homework. And then two seconds later, she had a five second lead. It was pretty remarkable. I mean, I will say that is a dream as a journalist when doing a race report. Anytime you can get a money quote that just leads to your headline. That isn't just recycling Rochette Chester. Uh, I love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we saw uh, kudos to Erica Zavetta for giving it a go for the during the oh, yeah. prologue on Sunday. But you're right. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I we talked about in the green room. I was on the uh, Canuck crosscast with Michael Vandenham and Jen Jackson. And if not to listen to me, you don't have to listen to me, but I is one of the few cycling podcasts that I listen to. They're super enjoyable and their their levels of, you know, their passion and they just nerd out on cross. It's like you're in a Canuck conversation uh but they they were kind of tipping me they're like yo uh mags is is flying right now and uh it turns out it was true yeah i mean she did awesome in road nationals and supposedly was feeling flat the whole time so you know and then it's just it it just yeah just flying flying right now and it's it's what we've seen in the past and it's kind of like 
interesting to see what they will do with that. Um, I, I, I have a feeling that they may enjoy racing in North America more than Europe. So we may see, we may, we may see more of Magali Rochette, uh, in the, in the U S for longer this, this time around. Well, so she, I don't know if you guys saw that Magali, uh, put out a video and I was trying to search it and find it. I can't find it, um, to tell you the name of it, but um, if you subscribe to her newsletter, I'm sure there's, it's in there, but she, uh, yeah, she's, they talked about some of the goals she had this year and, and really was to, to just, to be bold and like, I, she wants to win worlds in Fayetteville, you know, it's in North America and that was a big goal of hers and in the video, you know, very well done video, talk about training harder than they have before um, and so I know this is, we this is kind of a, we've seen this before, she comes out hot and just crushes domestic field, so like, is she crushing the field by a factor more or is this the same? Um, I'm like, I don't know. Like maybe Billy says, maybe she's going to stick around. I don't know. Maybe she's going to try and go to Europe. Um, one thing I was thinking about when you're Zach, you're talking about the women's race and Bredina and just how intense it was thinking about mags back to back at Rochester and just, she didn't race with anybody. Right. Time trial, like just a really fast, quick time trial. She mentioned, you know, trying a couple technical things on the limit, but like, the, I'm sure she would love to be also like going, you know, kind of like rubbing elbows with, with someone else and having someone immediately on her heels to to really prep her for these these World Cups coming up. Well, that's the Stephen Hyde theory of let's smash each other at Rochester and at the races before the U.S. World Cups. I mean, I, you know, I think going into this, we were trying to hype it like Clara had that amazing European season. But I think, you know, it's been beaten to death at this point. Like she's a slow starter. And, you know, we especially saw that on Sunday. Like she was a non-factor, you know, by the time Rochette was gone because she got off to a poor start. And I just don't, I don't see, I mean, we'll see if there's conditions, but certainly on these fast, dry courses, like I just, there's, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel bad saying this, but like, how can we hype this as a rivalry if she, if Rochette can start like this? I think that, like, what do we do? Like, I know it's one race, Rain. but like, we've seen her do it. We've seen her do it a lot. And to be fair, you know, we've got Jingle Cross coming up. Like, Clara did come back to her. And so, you know, maybe we are kind of overblowing, but you're right. Like, Rochester is just tailor made for Megaly Rochette. To just it's there's a lot of power sections. It's really open, flowy. It's just kind of like tailor made to just go out and and smash. But yeah, Michael, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Is like, you know, how do you prepare for that? Because it was just like one attack, and then like Fem Bam Ample gets tired, and Yara gets on the front. She gets tired, right. and then Betsima goes to the front. You know, and then worse will go to the front, and they're just they're log rolling this, and you can't get left behind where there's a new rider just smashing two or three laps into the race. And how do you, how do you train for that riding at your limit on courses that are frankly much, much harder than the ones we ride here in the United States? Yeah, it's interesting. And, and I think, uh, Michael kind of mentioned there in passing about rain. And I think that's, that's it. We may have weather at charm city. So I think that'll be a great test for Magley. Cause, uh, you know, I mean, I know she doesn't like hearing it, but she is labeled as somebody who, performs better when it's uh not sloppy so we'll see um we'll see what happens if, if she gets a sloppy race and is able to crush that then maybe that'll be behind her as well 
Make It Count. That is the name of the video series. You can just thank you, Bill. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's just Magley Rochette. All all one word. Both names, one word on uh, YouTube, and you'll be able to find her. So at the front of this race, uh, nothing too surprising, I think, Bill, from like at least say like heat check relevant. Uh, we had Claire Hansiger, who we accepted to expect to be second. She was very strong second. Like once the glow plugs got going, you know, Claire raced really strong. <laughs> What's kind of interesting, you know, I mean, uh, you know, she said that she felt uh, a little bit, she was losing time to Rochette actually in the technical sections, which I thought was kind of interesting, uh, you know, because Claire, I think we viewers are very, you know, she rides really well in Europe on those those technical courses, but also, as she said, gives her something to work on, you know, and you know that Claire, Bill, you've always said this, it's kind of like this puzzle to solve. And so it'll be how does she improve on her technical skills? But like, you know, Caroline Manny too, she delivered, she was riding high at GoCross in 2019, kind of had two disappointing results, really a non-factor in 2019. So I, she seems like the the firm third place rider. If I had to kind of predict what the heat check is going to say, right? That was that's what I noticed. Is like Caroline Monty was the best at, at Go Cross, and the, but we were missing two of the domestic star. I mean, the North American stars, and she slotted in right behind them. So like that kind of maybe that's how it would have gone in, in Go Cross. Um, but it's interesting to see that it played out that way. Well, I I think the missing part and it with that you had it go across for one day that also i think is also making a play probably for the the third fastest out there and was trying to solve the problem of money was becca farringer who unfortunately in sunday's go cross race a week ago you know went down hit her head got concussed and i, I don't know i i, I don't want to i don't want to second guess Beck, what Becca's doing? She went out and raced, and she actually looked pretty good. She looked pretty good. Dropped her chain. She was sitting top five. Dropped her chain. Says she was there for like forty five, fifty seconds, which is a huge chunk of time. So she lost three spaces, but ended up eighth. But just talking to her, still feeling dizzy, still having having symptoms, and didn't race on Sunday. And yeah, I just. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure she'll be in Charm City, but I just, I just wonder when we'll see her again racing, and when it just is, you know, at this point she's racing to protect points, and I just don't. At some point, that's just doesn't matter anymore, right? I mean, it's, it's you just got to get healthy. Yeah, and especially for your yeah. head. I mean, that's the one thing. I just, I don't know. I like I have injured many, many things. And, you know, I think you can make that assessment to like tough it out or whatever. And, you know, we, we glorify that in cycling, but I just feel like with head injuries, I just get really worrisome and, you know, um, I don't know. I, I just feel like you have to just bite the bullet and take care of your health long-term, especially when it, when it comes to your head. I know that she's in a tough situation because this is sort of you know, it's what you do with when you're an athlete, you know, it's so much is like results based, you know, and it's, it's hard to separate your, separate yourself from your result. Um, but just want to say Bex support you. If you need to take a break, like take care of the head, like do what you got to do. Still a fan. I'll still watch your vlogs, grill some bread with a dog. It'll be great. Michael. Yes. Who's your favorite Caitlin and Caitlin corner. Did you do know that I made this note I'm just... about the so many Caitlins in this race? Because, okay, is it, okay, You, my favorite Caitlin, 
I don't know if they are a Caitlyn though. Caitlyn Klaus. She's listed. She's listed. She's listed on the start sheet as Caitlyn Klaus. There is in in ninth place on Saturday was Caitlyn Bernstein. In tenth place was Caitlyn Keo, and in eleventh place was Caitlyn Klaus. Just all lined up. Well, obviously the Bernstein because the Bernstein Bears is my favorite. There you There you go. She's the only. She's the only C in the group. So another uh, another interesting uh, thing I think that didn't we have this this run from four through s- maybe even four th- three through seven maybe we had this at Go Cross we had uh, Raylan Nuss backing up her second place uh, no ahead of that Carolyn Money third Raylan Nuss second uh, Erica Zavetta third fifth sorry Hannah Aaronsman sixth. And then Crystal Anthony seventh. Wasn't that literally like Sunday's run from like one to five? Yeah, with a little some gaps in there. But I'll tell you the two the two best friends out there right now, or maybe frenemies, are uh, Zavetta and Aronsman. I mean, they cannot get away with each other. This is this is two <laughs> weeks in a row, four races that they are just glued to each other. Bill, uh, both, I'm gonna have to point you. out that you, you are incorrect. Is uh, day oh. two of Go Cross, Mani, Nuss, Zavetta, Aaronsman, Anthony, one through five. Okay, all right. So it's, it's a straight it flush. Like That's a good the, poker during, hand. During the meat of the race, Aaronsman and Zavetta seem seem to be right there. You know, one may. It, it seems like Zavetta is getting the better of her, but uh, I guess day two. Uh, Aaron's of Go Cross, Aaronsman did, but yeah, it's just funny because you just look up and and there they are. Yeah, just uh, it, it, much much in the same way that in in both races we had the battle, the battle of the northern border for the the right. men and the women just in different different places on the course and the uh, the uh, the women's battle between Clara and and Magley really not as as significant as I think what we'll get to on in day two of of the men's race where it, it was uh, you know the U.S. and and Canadian champ just just going head to head in a good 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 battle for pride of your country. So yeah, so let's go to day one for the, for the men folk. Uh, I'll just start it off. I think every year we look at this. We've got Vinny B. He had a good start to the year. I think he finished like eighth in the first Atheist Cross. Uh, you know, so I mean he he's riding well. And I think we kind of again we kind of look at this as like a a, a a metric of where our, our men folk are at, right? The North American men. You've got a you know kind of a not top tier. He's not a sauce. He's not a lion, but he's still very very fast. Uh, to try to see how our our men can compete against him. And it seemed like coming in, it seemed like Curtis had a shot for sure. The way that he rode at uh, Go Cross, um, but. I will say one of we had a great static cam on Double Trouble. They they knew that that was a feature, and we saw him. He crashed, and I think it was lap three. So, Bill, did you get a chance to talk to him or figure out? Because we had a we had an epidemic of rolled tubulars over the weekend. Yeah, yeah that I was. I want to hear about the the glue spiracy. Yes, yeah, that was definitely uh, a the the story of the weekend was the potential bad batch of glue that's that's out there that is really hard to confirm but i i guarantee you there were mechanics from every team running around with um with the cans of glue they use and they were all checking lot numbers and date of production and everything else to try to figure what was going on or if it was just a a you know happenstance of of coincidences or just a ton of bad luck but more 
more roll tubulars than I've ever seen in a race by the best mechanics in North America who don't don't make th- these aren't mistakes. They don't they don't do this. So something something's going on. Yeah, so I guess that kind of kind of took Curtis uh, out of the the mix, and uh, you had Hyde in there, and then you had Werner. So Werner was able to kind of stick with Bastions, but you could kind of see. I think it was in the fourth or fifth lap. It was just like, oh, there's a bike length, there's two bike lengths, and then kind of at the end of the lap, uh, Vincent Bastions just kind of like opened it up and uh, and rode away with it. But we got to see. Uh, a good battle between Kerry Werner and Stephen Hyde, whom I guess, according to Twitter, we were supposed to talk to talk about on Monday. That was our our directive from Twitter, but we'll we'll do it now on on the podcast. I, I don't know, guys. What do you think? I think to me, Hyde was just such a mystery coming in, and I, as the arbiter of backness, I think to say that he was ever gone, I think is super unfair. I mean, here's a guy who was a three time national champ. He was in the mix. Like, yeah, his teammate Curtis White was kind of like outshone him during the 2019 season. The dude still finished third at Cyclocross Nationals. We're acting like he wasn't a persona non grata and wasn't even there and finished 27th. I mean, the dude was never gone. Well, you say that, and I agree with you on the sort of results side, but he did sort of like take a break and like disappear, at least from social media for a while, right? So, you know, with writers like Carrie Warner and Curtis White who've done all this stuff and sort of making the content and making that a part of their job, we get to know them and we sort of feel like they're around and, and they're sort of like, you know, part of our social media. But Stephen Hyde, like, took he, like, unfollowed everybody and, like, took breaks and kind of, like, went off into the woods, so to speak, like, metaphorically, you know? And he no, had liter- a, had a literally. Family, I mean, literally. At times, does he literally even live in the woods? Well, he goes too? off into yeah, the woods. Okay. He's a bird watcher. He's our he's our bird watching <laughs> philosophical uh, poet laureate of cyclocross, right? So I think some of that, for at least for me, played into my sort of like, you know, where did he go? How will he race this year? And I think I agree, Zach. That he he, I like what I'm seeing right now. I like this hide that's coming out. Well, let's. Let's not overlook the fact that he broke his sternum, had a hip injury that wouldn't go away. I mean, the guy was overcoming a little more than Instagram is pissing me off. And and I think that he was racing with those right. nagging injuries through 2018 on and just trying to get by. And I think that, you know, talking with him, he's, he's not as surprised. I, I think surprise is the wrong way to put it. I think um, relieved, relieved that he is where he thinks he should be, and and is only only getting stronger. I think that uh, go cross was tough for him, just in the heat and everything else. It was definitely you know, fifteen twenty degrees cooler up in Rochester over the weekend, and you could see that old hide explosiveness and i think that's that was the great thing with that that battle between him and carrie because it's you know it's really it's going that course for for as much as we talked about how hard it is to cover it really sets up nice for every major cyclocross skill set there are power people and there are skills people and i think that's what you have not to say that carrie isn't a powerful rider but i think hyde has him beat there and that's that's what we were seeing. Kerry could go into 
things like double trouble where he actually was able to, you know, get the advantage or other sections and take time out of Hyde. But then once they get to these open straights, I mean, just to watch Hyde just, just ramp it up and go was, was pretty cool. And it really, it did look like 2016, 2017 Stephen Hyde again. So I think, I think it's going to be fun to watch him. I, 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 I don't know if he was gone or if he's back or what, but I think that the coming weeks, he's definitely one that is going to be worth watching. I was just say Hyde has that snap, right? He's got that snap. And I just, I want to just put it out there just because it's fun to do. He might win nationals. I have a couple things about Hyde. I think one, you know, looking at him talking about, he has a new dad and you know that Hyde does things with purpose. And so, you know, for him to spend all this time on the road away from his family. I mean, his kid was born in April. I, I think he's he's doing this for a reason. Like if he didn't think that he was at the level that he wants to be at, and there's there's no way. Stephen Hyde is I think he's savvy enough to to want that fourth national championship. Like he's doing this for a reason. He's only got a year or two left. Uh, you know, and uh it's gonna be fun to watch. Uh, but interesting, I think the the interesting dynamic is, with him and Kerry is on um on sunday or on saturday carrie basically in his post-race interview he kind of admitted that he had uh that steven had him on the ropes carrie's just like i'm done but he's like i'm gonna get through double trouble first you go through double trouble uh you weave your way kind of to the back section uh and so carrie by virtue of leading there through there put hyde under pressure hyde clips a pedal he drops his chain and carrie kind of escapes with the the second place um, and then kind of fast forwarding to Sunday, Hyde basically was like, I knew I wanted to drop carry coming out of double trouble by accelerating out of there. And you could, thanks to the, the live stream being pretty high quality, you could literally watch Kerry's race ending in li- in real time and Hyde played it perfectly. So it was kind of interesting that double trouble between these two, between Stevie, uh, we have a new nickname. I like it. Can add another one to the mix that you saw this double trouble this feature that's kind of like the iconic feature and the two of them playing each other each way right one one to one coming out of it with a feature so i always love seeing like nuanced stuff like that from from cross races looking a bit a little bit a little farther down the line we talked about the van and ham uh battle that was going on both days but also uh, right after, right after Gage hecked, we had the Donnelly boys back together and riding, riding with each other. Old Lancey Pants and uh, Gage getting, get they they had a lot of, a lot of laps out there. I think that Gage just chatting with him is like the power and everything's there. I mean, he had a great season on the road. Actually, ended on a on a high note and really putting out good numbers. I think getting the technical skills back for him and getting comfortable there once that happens i think that we're gonna see him closer to the to the front it was interesting i think that he was uh um i didn't see i didn't get this from him necessarily but just from other riders they were like yeah you know gage not really looking like gage lots of um you know not the not the lines they were used to seeing him taking, maybe putting some foot going foot down in certain places, things like that. So I think I think coming up, he's going to only get better. Did you get the skinny on his team situation? The track was just a one off and went poof, and he's racing for a Volo this year. I didn't ask him specifically about that, but that that was it. It was just a one year one year deal, and you know, with no racing, it just didn't 
it didn't materialize for something to to continue. And uh, I will ask him a charm because I don't want to put words in his mouth or say stuff I don't know anything about. I don't know what his team situation is. But I, I'd heard that Evolo sort of like aged up one year because they were a U23 team. And because of the pandemic, they aged up okay. one year. So that allowed him to sort of stay in the in the in the colors to to race. Is is McGill in the same regarding the team? Is McGill in that same boat, or is he younger? He's twenty three, so yeah, he's got to be in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. They're both. both I'm sure they're. You know, it's cyclocross. Nobody's getting a huge amount of support except for a couple riders. But I think it's it's nice that Avolo at least is offering some sort of support right. for, for both McGill and also for, uh, for Gage. So get some to races. So do you want to, so just, um, you know, this person was in the bulletin newsletter, Caleb Schwartz had a pretty good race on Saturday. I, I was able to catch a little bit of race, maybe say he was riding out of a skin there until a, uh, late mechanical. Um, so that was, he was battling with Vandeham, right? I mean, I don't know exactly what happened, but, yeah, absolutely gutting. I mean, so Caleb in in our interview, which you can read on the bulletin, he's got a privateer program. Uh, pretty neat that he just kind of he was like, "Hey, I realize no one's gonna no one's gonna do it for me. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, get you know." It's really neat. Um, the local mechanic uh, that everyone who races goes to in Madison is supporting him. I mean, he was my mechanic for <laughs> however many years uh, when I was in Madison, so it's cool to see Isaac Neff supporting you know Caleb to race nationally. But he was like, my goal was top ten in a C one, my then a top five. I mean, he was going to finish fifth. Like this, this uh, glue spirit. What did you call it? A glue spiracy. Glue spiracy. The glue spiracy. I mean, I just feel gutted for him. Was going to finish at worst fifth. You know, Vandenham's out here. Vandenham out here picking on all the young kids. You know, he does Strohmeyer dirty <laughs> at uh, Go Cross and then takes it to Caleb. Um, but yeah, I guess he just rolled a tubular and you know you see Caleb running down the finishing stretch and gets passed he, by a couple more guys. But still, yeah, getting past. He ran for a place, while. Though. But still, but here's the thing that you got to give him credit for because he ran for quite a while. And despite getting passed by Hecht and hate it, and I guess White as well, he did he did hold off Brandon Fix. You know, he, he didn't quit. He just he kept going <laughs> to the finish and still was able to to secure that that eighth place, which was cool. It was funny because I think one of his goals was to beat Gage, so he was he was on on par for that. So. I think we'll see more from him. I mean, I think we've seen nothing but progression. And I think just, you know, I've watched literally his entire career. I raced against him when it was my first year. <laughs> Remember, I passed him. I passed Caleb for like 100 meters. And then he like came back and he was like 14. Um, but, you know, I think the the growth that I'm seeing from him is actually increasing as he's gotten older. And so I think that, you know, to see him compete at that level, I'm super excited. And I know all of Wisconsin was. It was awesome to see the support that, you know, he got being a Madison kid. So a little biased, not going to lie. Uh, but I think we'll hear from him again. I'm a little biased, too, because when he won Collegiate Nationals, I was there and I got a photo of him and his sister and his grandparents, like, embracing in tears. And it was, like, one of my best photos from from Nationals. And so... Yeah, you know, you can make those connections with riders. So, yeah, happy to see him. I was like, look at this guy, Caleb. Look at him riding well. So, yeah, it's fun stuff. Another guy doing well, Brandon Fix, uh, graduate from the Alpha Groove Silverthorne program. I, you know, I was able to spend some time with him when he was racing for them, and it's cool to see. He's, he's another guy with a, a 
a privateer program. It's him and his partner and his dad out there uh, in the in the RV going across the country. And you know, I I think that that Brandon is super strong and he can put himself in a position for good results. And he's just you know a little bit of bad luck, a little bit of bad decision making in these races, and and that are putting him a little farther down. But he's another guy that I think he could see getting up there near the top five in these races going forward. Well, he was. So let's go to Sunday's men's race. I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't. I, to me, this was the most to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I so, agree. Uh, I think Carrie, Carrie was, Carrie said it best when he was a little, a little perplexed. So disappointing day for Curtis White on Saturday. And he decided to go full Jeremy Powers at Reno Nationals. Yeah, just full gas. We're going. If you want to follow, follow. What do you think? I mean, here, here's the thing. We were talking about this earlier, and you were talking about, like, Betsima. And I, I think we've seen it through cyclocross careers. It seems like great riders always have this this time where they are going to be the rider who's just going to take off from the gun, sometimes successful, sometimes not. Remember Lars Vandershot? You know, I mean, it, 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 he was the guy. He was just going to go. You know that that Vanderhaar was going to be off the front and going. Vanderpool, when he started out, that was his thing. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to win the race from the gun. Very few people can do well. Magli Rochette, <laughs> I mean, I guess is the exception here. <laughs> that is her Rochester plan. I don't think Magli's ever sat in. You know, maybe for a couple, like a minute in 2019, and then then just gone. So. What did you think when you saw that, Zach? I'll let Michael go. I want to hear Michael's thoughts. Well, I, I was, you know, was thinking a lot. I was thinking about Magalie's approach to Rochester and sort of, and then White's approach to Rochester. And, like, I didn't really watch uh, all of Saturday, but I did watch Sunday's race. And I was kind of thinking along the lines of, like, maybe, like, is this like he wants to like he won go cross both days and like kind of the kind of the top of the pile in the states and you've got the Belgian who's coming over and he's gonna make it hard and also like is it like you said earlier Zach is this the like let's go hard right now as far as we can for training for the World Cups or is it like let's go hard because I have this confidence um, but yeah didn't I mean. He he just drill, he just took it on and like everybody else I know it wasn't easy but like Stephen Hyde said in his interview he's like yeah I could just I could sit back and and watch it all and and wait for the proper time to attack I mean I don't I don't know Zach what did you think about that uh, Well I, I had the interesting experience I admittedly didn't watch on on Sunday but I, I so I'd, I'd listen to the interviews to transcribe them then I went back and watched the race so it was just very interesting to hear Kerry be like Curtis he was doing. I Curtis, uh, he was doing it. He was doing something, and I just sat on. And then it was like, okay, all right, one lap. I'm like, all right. I'm like, two laps, okay. Three laps. I'm like, holy shit, four laps. Like, you know, I mean, he was on the front for the first four laps of the race. I, I just don't, and I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd be interested to hear from him, and maybe we can chat with him uh, at Charm this weekend. But. I don't, you know, maybe he saw what he did at GoCross and he's like, all right, I can just break these guys. But I think we saw Hyde very in control. You know, Kerry was able to sit in. And the wild card is I just think that Vinny showed on uh, Saturday you weren't going to break. You know, I don't I don't know. He got the group he wanted. And I, I guess 
to me that right the top four and Brandon Fix kudos to Brandon Fix like he was hanging on like a champ like you could just see him like riding out of his mind to hang on to that group and he gets dropped and he comes back like he actually bridged at the end of I think the end of the third or fourth lap I don't know I guess if I'm gonna quarterback it like he got the group he wanted chill out after a couple laps because it, it didn't work right we saw him crack yeah, and there's nothing I could see, especially with the, the course turning around, that that first half of double trouble, you didn't want to get caught behind riders who had to dismount. You know, there was definitely a split between riders who could ride it and riders who couldn't. But it's exactly what you said, Zach. That group, everybody had that skill. So it wasn't, you know, you, you, you got to have the, the trust in those guys around you and... I, I I think Curtis was frustrated. I think he was frustrated for Saturday. I think he came in Saturday and Sunday thinking that, you know, if if not winning the races, he was going to be a factor in that. And he just wasn't, you know, it was because of mechanicals on Saturday. And I think that he was just like going to take it from the front on Sunday and, you know, didn't really work out. Should we talk about Kerry Werner? dropping the bomb and going full Lucinda brand. That was really interesting because he, again, it, it's interesting too, because I haven't watched the broadcast, but I just saw it in, in person before that happened. He got dropped like, like a half yeah. lap before that coming out of double trouble. He's coming back onto the, to the riding path and i mean i have a photo of him and his head is just down i mean he's just down and i'm like okay well carrie just gave up he's gonna get third and they make it through and i don't know if if what happened was then Vinny and stevie saw that he wasn't there anymore and sort of eased up a little bit because they knew they were coming into one to go and figured all right we just got to feel each other out and see what's going on but but as soon as they hit the finishing stretch, all of a sudden, Kerry Werner's right behind them and not stopping and attacking on the on the finishing straight. And Bastin's was like, the hell's he doing? I mean, he just like completely <laughs> caught off guard by this move and just comes ripping around the corner. And uh, oh, yeah, it was it was the best moment of the weekend. Just seeing that. I mean, it was it was a yeah, uh, it was great. It was great. Well. Well, they say, you know, you don't, you don't attack when you feel good. You attack when you feel terrible. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was good. It, like he said in the interview, he just had to give it a go, give it a shot. And then, and then the lights went out. Um, but, uh, you, you know, you got to try. Yeah, it was interesting to see that sort of Hyde and, and Vinny sort of really racing sort of in their heads and, and, and wanting to play the tactical game. But White was like just all power all the time. And then Werner sort of more trying to do the power thing and maybe a little sneak attack but um it really set up for a really exciting last lap and yeah the the stream got better on sunday and so we'll give them kudos for that and like they missed the final move but like that last lap was was really good and i was i got i got so hyped for american cyclocross um watching that so that was that was that was very enjoyable well we're talking about details right that we wouldn't probably even get i mean guess we would have known about the bomb we would have heard about it. 
Uh, I guess what's kind of interesting is, uh, you know, so hearing from Vinny, Vinny's like, oh, this was great. Hyde was like, responded to it. Then you talk to, you hear from Hyde and Hyde is like, I wanted to be first into Double Trouble. That's where we were going to drop Carrie. So Hyde almost had to, because Double Trouble came up pretty quick. Like you went through the chicanes and you went over the flyover and that was it. So Hyde had to respond because he's like, bro, you're messing with my spot to drop you. So he responds, and I just kind of wonder if that extra match, because Vinny was just like, he's probably like, um, what is this American cyclocross? This is what, what are you doing? He's like, it's um, like free, I, free, free Uber rides for everyone. So I wonder, you know, if we're going to play that game, if maybe that match that Hyde had to burn, because he had to respond, then he had to accelerate right, right at the flyover to get to double trouble first. I wonder if maybe that took away an edge where Vinny kind of got to chill out. And he's just like, yeah, I'm cool. That maybe cost Hyde in the last, in the North section and the, you know, unseen 20 seconds where <laughs> Vinny emerges from the woods as the winner. So, uh, but Michael, to your point, uh, we got to talk about it. I, they did a great job. Like we're even missing the finish. We're talking about a last lap of a great cyclocross race. And it was awesome. Yeah. You saw even Hyde coming through the finish line. I think he was pointing towards Vinny Vincent sort of being like, like great race, like acknowledging that was a really good battle. And, um, that's always good to see. Um, yeah, I don't, so this is a, just a, a small observation and, you know, you can look into this however you want to look into it. And maybe, maybe this is why Curtis White struggled. Um, but Chris White, was the only one in that front four not bunny hopping the barriers. But not only was he not bunny hopping, he was stepping through. Hey, he's from New England. Is that is right, right? Okay, I was wondering if that was I mean he's in New York. I know well, New York's not I New know England. He's, I should have um, said he's from New England. He he lives in New England now. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I thought that was pretty <laughs> Should we uh we haven't really uh talked much about the women's race on Sunday. I think a couple couple things maybe worth worth noting there if not the race just the the performances you know we talked about the the uh katie corner in in uh saturday's race katie keogh you know nice nice effort fourth place i think we've been wondering where caitlin keogh has been for the last couple seasons so a little a little glimpse there and then even uh katie klaus who i was chatting with a little bit who's you know still trying to remember how to race cyclocross uh seemed to seem to figure it out a little better on on sunday as well so we had a question in the uh, nowhere fast uh secret slack channel do they recalculate uci points this is relevant for klaus do they recalculate uci points after saturday and redo the gridding for sunday they do not Mm. so so because she was like basically in a terrible grid position so she had a much better was it but because of the was it her because random of, her random number can be different she's still random yeah, but those are chosen again so points points okay. are static from the tuesday they come out but then if you don't have any points if you're just in the random pool those are not the same for each day uh, on Katie Keogh, I think that uh, where she's been, uh, Jason McDowell uh, is a Wisconsin guy from on Milwaukee. So we talked about how Katie was racing. She was kind of doing the Wednesday practices back at home, and then she raced some in Wisconsin. He actually wrote a really, really nice article uh, that talked to her, and she kind of opened up about some of the struggles that she's had in recent years. So it's 
Uh, I'm Milwaukee is the publication, and it was just an interview with Katie Keogh by Jason McDowell, and it was it was so good. I mean, if I'm a trust me, when I'm a journalist, and I'm like, damn, I wish I wrote that. Like, uh, kudos to him. I think was you know kind of getting uh, where she's uh, been at. Um, but yeah, uh, Raylan Nuss again. I think that uh, she's I, I mission accomplished. I think so far for Raylan Nuss. I know Bill, you've kind of talked to her. She had big aspirations to be a player this year, and it thinks seems like. You know, uh, with the exception of that sixth place, I think on the first day of GoCross, we'd be saying she was on the wide angle podium four days. Uh, so wide angle podium three out of four days. Yeah, I, I think should we should we put together some sort of team competition for for cyclocross? Because I think Tilford is uh, yes. is doing pretty well so far. Maybe we can uh, have that as a bulletin feature. I like that, and I think that you know, there's got to be you know, she started that team. She you know, it's a looks, it's pretty, it's a pro program, you know, they've got, you know, the, I mean, I've seen just in the videos, I've seen the big setups, you know, a lot of great sponsors that, you know, got the photographer, like, so I can imagine there was pressure that she felt pressure to sort of like deliver. And so far, I think she has. And, that, and that's, that's really cool to see. I mean, I, it's hard to, you know, to, with these women's races, the way that Rochette has just destroyed, uh, Rochette Chester, I mean, six in a row. I mean, but this is four. I mean, I don't remember uh, looking back the year before. I know Ellen Noble was really strong and her margins of victory were much, much smaller. Um, but at least four in a row, Bill, that we've seen where Rochette has just won from, I mean, she's ridden solo for <laughs> most of the race, you know, I, I, Erica Zavetta. Uh, interesting little tidbit, I guess, with Double Trouble is that, you know, she was with Zavetta and I think Rochette was the only woman in the first lap, I think, that rode the first steep part of Double Trouble. And that's where she got like a massive gap. Like she came out of that um, and rode it. So, you know, I think speaks to the technical skills that that we know she has uh being able to put that in but it's again neat to see where that's always your point bill right like if you're going to put a feature in make riding it an advantage versus like either a novelty or even a disadvantage and that was cool to see that they reversed it for the first time ever and in the women's race you got to see it again because of the live stream it happened in front of you which was really neat yeah and that's the nice thing about the the race organizer for Rochester, Scott Page, does an incredible job there. Is he's he's completely aware of that. We we actually talked about it again on I think Sunday morning, where I was I was saying that exact point to him, Zach. I was like, look, this is great because you know, even in the power sections, you don't put these dumb like super tight turns in there that just negates all of the 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 riders who can take advantage of power sections. You allow you have this really nice flow where they can just carry that speed through the whole section. And then in the technical areas, you have these, you know, obstacles and these logs that you have an advantage if you're able to stay on your bike versus somebody who has to dismount. So it's really, I think that, that he does a really, really nice job in, in setting up the course to, to take advantage of highlighting different skills for different sections. So we're, we're coming up on time here, but I want to play, I want to play a fun game that uh, Michael Vandenham had us play on the uh cross cast uh but first so zach you had made comments about the live stream and we were getting shots of the midfield quite often um and i did note so the uci in road racing has banned the use of puppy paws the sort of the forearms on the handlebars um i want to know is that illegal in cyclocross because there was one racer who was on the puppy paws on that paved section 
going to double trouble. And I thought that was hilarious. I hadn't really seen that in a cross race. And it was none other than the rider Jonathan Anderson of J Money's Elite Factory Professional U69 Development something. The name is so long that it gets cut off. And I, it was, seemed fitting. It looks like he was racing in a white t-shirt. I don't know this kid. I think he got like a top 15. Just using the, the puppy paws at the cross race. It was worth shouting out. I just had to give a shout out to that. J Money. Guys, we're coming up on time. And, you know, as usual, we've just done our, our throw cover. We've covered we've covered Rochester. Uh, but there's a, there's a certain event coming up this weekend and i I don't want to hype it too much but like then like he goes and just wins the snowshoe world cup and it's just like you know i i was just you know well it goes it's one thing to hype a guy who you know was was just top 20 at world cups but then he goes and wins short track world championships and you're like all right the hype factors and then he's like yeah do some cyclocross and you're just like the hype grows and he wins he wins a world cup <laughs> it's a world cup he, he drops nino Scherter with just another mind-blowing move uh so one first did did you guys hear his world cup season recap rap oh yeah yeah that and 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 zach to to i listened to your podcast in the canuck uh canuck crosscast that as you said, it was recorded before he won. And did he get a bump? And as the arbiter of bumps, yes, indeed, he got a bump because he got to express himself in the way that he wants to. He was he was he was feeling relaxed. He's feeling cool, feeling the good vibes, and that that catapulted him to that snowshoe victory. So definite rap bump. He needs to come out with a Charm City rap this week, um, or maybe a, a Trek Cup. Rap, oh, I'm going to put him on the know. spot. Don't worry. So I, I got a question. Since you're the arbiter okay. of bumps, I went on the cross cast. Jen Jackson was not feeling good about mountain bike Nats. And she went, does, does Zach Schuster going on your podcast give you a bump? Because Vandenham had a great weekend too, a fourth and a fifth. He knocks off the American national champ. Do I get, I think does it's Bill the get a bump, Bill? I think it's the bulletin. So it's, it's the bulletin bump. Yeah. I went on Magley yeah, Rochette's, right. Magli Rochette's podcast and she, she swept Rochester. And she won two days in Rock. Road Chester. Yeah, total bulletin bump. It's real, folks. All right, so to, to close um, it out, we're going to play. So, Michael, you know what game we're playing because you listen to the crosscast. So we'll we'll start with Bill. Uh, Bill, highest placing for Chris Blevins at Charm City and highest placing at a World Cup. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, why not just say he's going to win it? I mean, what's the what's the harm? I well, think he finishes eighth, and then you look like an idiot for buying into the hype that Zach Schuster is building up. Oh no, I I I already bought. Look, I I bought. You and I both were on the ground in Reno. We we have been riding this hype wave since the second he rode those those three stairs on his way to U twenty three glory. That that was kind of the the beginning, and I just. I was I was watching uh, I was looking at a uh, Evie Richards Instagram and I guess she went home and and got a little sick and you know made sure that everybody knew it was not COVID but I think just all of the training all the racing everything and she just you know it finally all caught up with her but her thing was like I just have to keep this form for a couple more weeks because I'm going back to race cyclocross World Cups and. 
at least in Waterloo. I don't know if she's doing Jingler or Fayetteville as well. And I, I, I think that's the same with Blevins. I mean, he is, you know, they talk about in road racing, the razor's edge. He's there. And if he's able to stay there up until up just for a couple more weeks, nobody else in the world who's riding not on the road is at that level. So I, I, I don't see how you, I don't see how you vote against him. You know, I, I, again, you talked about the grid and I think we may even have a bigger UCI grid in Charm City than we did in Rochester. It always, it's just, it's easier to get to for a lot of those, those racers. So I think there more be, may be more people back there. We talked about the random draw, which he will be a part of, I believe. He doesn't have any cyclocross points. So we'll see. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking him up for the win. And then in the World Cup, um, he's going to be, uh, um, between 10th and 15th. Okay. So I was curious if Blevins has actually raced any cross since the infamous U23 stair bunny hop that I have heard you guys talk about ad nauseum since I've known y'all, even since before I've known y'all. Like, I, if you don't know about the Blevins hopping the stairs at, at Reno, you clearly don't listen to anything that Bill or Zach does. That being said, day one, fourth. That last row start, a couple mechanical issues, a little rusty. Day two, Charmy wins. World Cup, he gets... He gets fourth. I mean, I'm with you. You you listen to the podcast, uh, but that's why, Bill, I wanted to clarify the gridding issue. So to me, it comes down to what his random draw is, I think. Um, but there's there's going to be so many guys who now have points, especially because the C1, it goes deeper. Uh, I think he wins a day at Charm. Like, I, I do. I had this whole thing laid out about how it was going to go down, but uh, and it actually had me having Curtis lay it out like he did on Sunday just because he knew that he had to keep the pace high to keep Chris Blevins away. But I mean, I mean, Bill, I'm calling it. You're putting a GoPro. We're we're doing it. We're we're putting Chris Blevins passing a large number of dudes en route to the front. Here's one thing that he has working in his advantage, even if he has a poor grid position. We we watched short track mountain biking all year, even even the World Cup mountain bikings, and we watched Blevins' ability and agility and just skill in being able to move around people and move up. And he's doing that on super wide bars with everybody else with super wide bars. He's got these skinny little cyclocross bars now, as does everything else. I think it's going to just be, he's just going to be like a fish, like swimming up upstream past people because it's going to be no, no obstacles really for him to get around. And charm is pretty has some pretty long power sections that are that that are open so i think there's a lot of ability a lot of possibilities to to move up even if it's not the most advantageous start and if curtis decides that he's not going to go off like a bat out of hell from the start then maybe that's another opportunity for him to be able to clear a lot of people fast michael i love your pick we're coming back like if it happens you're the I don't know. You're the media. You, Michael, if that happens, you are shooting to the top of the media pit power rankings. Like you're, you're just put Michael down, Bill, for number one. Uh, if that happens, what is, guaranteed number one. I love what was it. your what was your World Cup pick, Zach? I said top ten. 
Okay. I, I truly think that he is that good. And just, you know, Bill, you've made the point of how the best riders do mountain bike and he's competing at this high level against people in a sport with money. And I think I, part of it's wishful thinking that like our superstar is better than just another generic Belgian. And that's part of it for me is to think that even from a bad start, he can come just raging forward at a course that's built for him at like jingle cross um, so part of it is is wishful thinking um, and hoping that he truly is that good. I hope so. I, I hope so. End it. End it, Michael. Take One us out. One last question. One last. <laughs> what happened to the rule that UCI was going to do with the World Cups where, like, if you were Peter Sagan, you could come and line up in the third row or whatever? Like, is that that never happened? I, I don't think that. Like, could yeah, he I don't a, think that exists anymore. I don't. Okay. I don't know. And, and they wouldn't make that exception for an American. But here's the thing. If he does well at Charm City, he's already going to be moving up the grid for the World Cup. Yeah. Here, here's the last point that I don't think we've already made, which is kind of funny because a lot of uh, what I nerd out on is how you make World Cup and Worlds teams and all of the requirements and all of the criteria and everything, all the hoops that you have to jump to and the selection committees and blippity blippity blobbity blah. And Chris Blevins is just telling everybody he's on the world. He already made the selection, which is amazing because <laughs> nobody else in the country knows. And that's kind of the reason, too, that Rochester, we saw, you know, people just taking these these flyers and trying to do all they can to to end up in the points because they want to make a World Cup squad and it's super competitive, yet Blevins just like, hey, I'm on the team. We'll see you guys in Wisconsin. So, I don't know. He's got his... I'm going to have to ask him about his own separate uh, set of rules because it's not like I hope to make the team. Everything he's saying is like, I am going to the World Cups and racing and I just... It, it's um, good. I hope... I mean, I if I'm selecting, I'm like, metal capable... He fits under the metal capable criteria. You're on the team. Congratulations. But I don't know. It seems like that's a shortcut. I just want to be there when he goes to USAC and somehow like somehow he does really well and he clearly <laughs> earns a spot and his points just aren't enough. And they're like, he's like, hey, guys, like I want to be on the World Cup team. And USAC looks at him and just like all those videos that we did, you know, the ones where we've been hyping you and you won snowshoe. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, you know, if you had signed up for the Olympic Development Academy, maybe we would reconsider. Oh. We'll see you folks next week. See you next time. Hang in there, kid. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.